everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Scuttlebutt, the official podcast of the National Museum of the Surface Navy. My name is David Canfield. I'm the Chief Information Officer and Vice President for the organization. I get my hand slapped for calling it institution, so I will be uh, tripping over that through the whole podcast. I'm joined in studio. We're going to mix it up a little bit. I'll start on my left by... Dr. Doolittle. Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> Somebody with a new nickname, Kyle Abbey. I am the development manager here and glad to have that new nickname. Kyle, <laughs> you had like four nicknames in just a short span of four months. You know, I, I kind of just respond to whatever comes my way. Bruce has been calling me Ryan the entire time he's known me. So I actually you saw that. to live with it. And not yeah. only that, I saw Bruce, Bruce was actually embarrassed when he figured out that your name was Kyle and I'm, It's he, rare to see Bruce embarrassed. He was, and he offered me $100 if he did it again. And then I saw him on, on Tuesday, and he did it again, but he didn't see... He didn't I give me hundred dollars. So, yes, yeah. that's okay. I'll have to do you make an invoice out to him and come, come our way. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and on my right, I'm Marianne Fangler. I'm the producer in here, and I do all the things around here. And I have several nicknames: Ice Queen, Keel Holler, Skater, Button Pusher, Skater. Speaking of etymology yes. and sailor terms. Mm-hmm. My skater term is better than your skater term. Probably, just yeah. On the railroad, we have a different <laughs> yeah. term, and it's not repeatable here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quick segue. Inappropriate things with dogs. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. So. Editing. It's all good. It's Next. all good. No, no, I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with that. <laughs> um, Mike Getcher, a chief operating officer, chief engineer, whatever, uh, you know, uh, knucklehead, head knucklehead. Man yeah. about town, all around good guy, friend of the downtrodden uplifter of those in need. No. Keep going. I'm, I'm waiting to see where you're going to go next with that. And I'm Jesse Mendoza. I'm the VPAM manager here on the Iowa. So today we uh, we dragged Jesse in and um, we told him that we were just going to talk about uh, the program that he was with. But then uh, after we got him in the chair, we kind of expect him to um, get into his deepest, you know, personal issues and being here and whatnot. <laughs> now, actually, um, Jesse, it is good to have you in the studio. Uh, you are uh, the head of the VPAN program, the program manager for the Veterans Peer Access Network for Supervisory District 4 in Los Angeles. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the program and then a little bit about yourself? Sure. Just kind of what, what Kyle was just talking about. I've been called Jeff. I've been called Jed. Good. I've been called John. So legal name is Jess. I prefer Jesse. And that's, I, I you know, that I would just kind like of to, happened in high school. Yeah. So I would like to take that sound bite and just repeat it on the 1MC here, the main right. announcing system over and over because right. I, I still trip over it. I'm like, just Jesse. Jesse. Jeff, Jeff. Yeah. There's people that owe me money too. So good. Uh, good. All right. We can work out, work out later. Mr. Mendoza. <laughs> we won't get into name pronunciation, mispronunciations over here. I'm just going to say. Yeah. 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 So, um, I'm a part of the uh, VPAN um, department here, the Veterans Peer Access Network for District 4, and we're a county-funded program, Department of Mental Health. And in a nutshell, I mean, the Veterans Peer Access Network was designed to link us to, to help link the veteran to VA services, you know, some of the services that perhaps they didn't tap into yet as veterans. Um, there's so many uh, different um, perce- um missed out there regarding what's available what's available not to them so we service both veterans that had uh that have an honorable discharge and then you have some that may have a uh, oth is other than honorable so they're still entitled to um the services that are out there and i know we've had discussions david you know if you served you're a veteran that's the way we see it here yeah we don't we don't really look very much at your discharge status we just figure if you are uh, somebody who wore the cloth of the country, we're here to to help you mm-hmm. out. 
Um, it's kind of interesting. We uh, we had talked about having what we call the Veterans Concierge Program aboard, <clears throat> which is a uh, a program where if you talk to a VA rep, you get the VA view. If you talk to a disabled American Veterans DAV rep, you get the DAV view. If you talk to American Legion, you get the American Legion view, Veterans Foreign Wars. You got all of these um, organizations that have veteran services and have VSOs or veteran service officers, but they have kind of a myopic view of only the programs that their organization has. And so we don't provide direct services. Um, what, instead, what we do is we want to be veterans that come alongside other veterans and help them navigate that that maze of paperwork and whatnot. And I think there's a misconception about, um, uh, particularly in the civilian world, that all veterans are broken. Yeah, I always yeah. Uh, recoil a little bit from right. that. All veterans are not broken, and this mm-hmm. program is veterans helping veterans, not just veterans helping broken veterans. Right. So. If you're uh, successful and you need help, uh, you know, with financial management, we'll hook you mm-hmm. up with the right resources to do that. If mm-hmm. you're homeless and you need a place to live, well, we'll work to hook you up with the right mm-hmm. resources for that as well. Yeah, my dad was a World War II vet um, and uh, needed a, a hernia surgery. Oh my gosh, that's many years ago. Um, and the only way that he could afford to do that was actually through the Veterans mm-hmm. Hospital. And, and I remember him accessing that back then. It would have been, my gosh, back in the early 70s, you know, and uh, that was... 35 years, well, almost 30 years after the war, you know, he, he was able to get that kind of service. You know, this is a long time ago when you didn't have some of the, the regular medical services that you have now, but, but still it was, it was cool for him to be able mm-hmm. to do that. So it's the program. The program's right. kind of cool. Um, you can always uh, visit our website. So tell me, um, what's it like coming to work here on a battleship? This is not a, this is not a normal, uh, office environment. Right. You, you know, um, before I actually started working here, I was here for the Fleet Week like two years prior. I was actually here. I have a picture of my wife and I and a couple of friends. And uh, I I don't remember if the ship was open. We had the concert going and we took some pictures. And then we were just talking about, man, that'll be cool to get up on that ship. And two years later, I'm on the ship. (laughs) <laughs> I'm on the ship, and uh, I, I had a conversation with one of the uh, DMH folks out towards uh, L.A., and uh, he actually brought up the opportunity of coming over to the Battleship Iowa. So being an Army person, you know, I, I just didn't know what to expect. To be honest, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I saw some of the coffin beds, and, you know, I had to get some of the language down. David's been helping me. <laughs> but to come on a ship... It is so cool just to be able to um, come out here and be a kid all over again. I mean, yeah. nothing beats having coffee on the fantail in the morning. Mm-hmm. You can't beat it. Yeah, and we'll turn you into sailor. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think Jesse's he's retaliating because he's he's hiring primarily like army and marines. In the, <laughs> isn't so. it true that the army has the largest navy in the world? I think they do. Absolutely. Yeah, if you consider all the small boats and everything. So you know, it's just a side that, that more water watercraft than the navy. That's that's certainly true. Yeah. And you know, every time Jesse hires a, a veteran advocate or um, one of the supervisors, I always look at the resume and I'm like, yeah, army. Okay, it's, it's good. It's okay. I I totally get it. It's fine. No, uh, no, we love having that. We actually have a pretty good cross section. We have uh, Army, Navy, Marines uh, represented in our uh, in our veteran services organization. Um, we have a new military veterans affairs manager who's going to be coming on next month. 
uh, and we're very excited about that, working on some additional programs outside of the VPAN uh, program, some uh, job placement, job skills programs, both for transitioning veterans, those who are still on active duty, and those that have transitioned. So super excited to bring them on here. And th- in this environment, you know, we, we finished a podcast recently about kind of who we were and our ethos on preservation and touched a little bit about the culture. Bringing somebody in here, I think, is is a great transition because you're in an environment that feels military, but we're not. Right. Uh, we're 100% a civilian organization. We don't have oversight. Um, you, you know, we're not DOD. Uh, and so I shouldn't say we don't have oversight. We, we don't have um, the uh, DOD telling us how we run our organization. Yeah. I, might, I might point out, too, that uh, when you look at our volunteer corps, they're nominally 50% veterans, 50% non-veterans. Mm-hmm. So there's a, then on the non-veteran side, you have people that are literally serving in some capacity now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the veteran side, you have all of the services you know, there yeah. uh, just across the board, you know, Army, Navy, Coast Guard. Marines, whatever, it's all there. We don't awesome. have Space Force yet. No, yet. that's true. But we might. We yeah. might. Our uh, our MVA manager might be cross-decking to Space Force. She's still in reserve. So. Wow. Yeah. Cool. cool. Space Force is involved in Fleet Week, though. They were out there. They had an exhibit of what they're doing, just educating mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. By the way, the, the Army came out full force last this year. last yeah, year. Sure they were did. wonderful and, and just really had a great time. Uh, in fact, I think they're shifting some of their assets just to be able to be a part of this in the future for Fleet Week. It's wow. really pretty cool. It's kind of it's kind of cool to be disruptive. I like being disruptive and mm-hmm. you know doing things differently than people expect. And we have LA Fleet Week, and we invited the Army, and they showed up in force. It was fantastic. They yeah. had uh, that M1 Abrams out right. there. They had the new uh, Oshkosh. What is that? The tactical vehicle. The replacement yeah. for the Humvee. And then they had the amazing recovery. What it was called. And, yeah. Yeah. That was actually my last unit. Was it really? Yeah, the National Training Center. That's right, ETS out of. That's so cool. Just to see them there and to see the logo, our, our unit patch, that was pretty they cool. They actually won Galley Wars too, didn't they? Yeah, yeah they, I think they did. They did. Yeah. Yeah. We have a competition of cook, cooks for uh, between, was it Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, and Army? Was and that Army. correct? Yeah. yeah. And and Air Force. Is Air Force coming out next year? Uh, I think they spent, sent Space Force instead this year. I don't know about, this, about Air Force. I hope they come out. I hope we can shame them into coming out because they really yeah. belong out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. get everybody yeah. out there. We, yeah, we do want bring to. aircraft from all of the services. Oh, out dude, there. that we would be so epic. Cool. I think we landed five aircraft. We yeah, sure did. Um, yeah. Sure Marines did. come out strong, too. But, yep, uh, they do. We yeah. have an Army-Navy game coming up, too, by the way. Mm. Oh, we do have an Army-Navy beat Army. Uh, uh-huh. Navy, yeah, Navy won last year, I remember. So do I. Yeah. Well, going back to being disruptive for, for a sec, uh, I think that's kind of what makes us the place to be is because people, I mean, even locally don't necessarily know what all we do. They think that we're a museum ship or they know us for a specific reason, whether it be Fleet Week or um, they've come up to Vicky's or something like that. A lot of people don't know just below the fantail, there's that whole Veteran Resource Center where people are coming aboard. And so educating more and more people about the variety of things that they can come here and engage with is really important to us. And so I think having an active manager like Jesse on board is helping spread that word. And so now we have five or 600 people come through last month. We had close to 600. Wow. Wow. That was through the, uh, right now we're starting to see a spike like with our our, uh, Vietnam veteran families are coming through, you know, um, you know, some of our our veterans are, are passing away and their widows are looking for the benefits and we have our, our VSO here, our veterans uh, service officer, that they come on board and we've been very active with the benefits, uh, oh. benefit claims. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's very cool. It is kind of fun. We turned the whole um, CPO area. So uh, a section of the CPO birthing was turned into offices. The CPO lounge and CPO mess are available uh, as a training area and the lounge basically as a lounge. And then the library is part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're working through how to properly use the library and uh, have some people that want to turn it into a research library, but it fits very well in the Veterans Resource Center. Um, this is a place where you don't have to need something to show up. You can sure. just show up. If you need to talk to somebody or you want a place mm-hmm. to, hey, I want to reconnect. Um, I want to get back. I've used the the phrase on uh, a couple podcasts, I want to reconnect with my tribe. Right. Um, this is a place to do it. And you don't have to be Navy. You don't have to be Army, Marines. Um, you know, we're all brothers and sisters in arms. We've all worn the cloth of the country. Uh, and that's a thread that ties mm-hmm. us together. Yeah, I'd like to come back to Kyle's comment, too, about people don't always know necessarily what we are. They think, you know, kind of uh, in a binary fashion about, you know, uh-huh. whether we're just a museum with tours or you open or whatever it might be. Um, but there's something that a phrase that came out of my previous, I'm going to get in trouble again, institution, uh, you know, nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, it's a $30 million gig over here, you know, six, seven miles away. And, and basically the, the ED or executive director at the time called it social capital. Mm-hmm. It was building up social capital mm-hmm. in your community. And that's something that struck, because we had a conversation with him many years ago, probably seven or eight years ago, just a couple years after opening up. And you know that's, that's a pretty profound thing. I didn't quite understand right. it at the time, but it really is true, because we build that social capital here, whether it's through the veterans programs mm-hmm. or other community efforts aboard the ship. You know, we open it up to the AA, of course, and, and uh, all kinds of other nonprofits come aboard mm-hmm. the vessel for different reasons. You know, it's just, uh, we are a community asset. It's a powerful thing. Yeah, and we have a couple of different levels of social capital, I think, from our perspective. We have the immediate local capital. We have some regional capital with just people in Southern California, California, and West region of the United States. But then we have the national level social capital that has politicians from D.C. coming and wanting to to do things here. And that's really important for us because then that national, um, that national stage we're standing on as the National Museum of the Surface Navy truly is showing that, okay, across the country, people know that when they're in Los Angeles, they're near the port of Los Angeles, they can come here and whether they're holding a press conference, going for a tour or just having lunch with us, we're the place to be and that's important. We are kind of a national stage, actually, not just on a stage, we are literally a stage. We've had POTUS here, of course, the president, We've had multiple cabinet members here recently and then just across the board all the way sifting down into the local politics and, and just the fabric of our community. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a fantastic place. One of the one of my favorite things that, to see on the fantail is the citizenship swearing in yeah, yeah. Uh, for naturalized citizens. And we've done that uh, a four, couple, three times, three or four times. times. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just an amazing thing because it represents everything that's here. Right. I mean, they're being sworn in. They're standing literally on top of our VRC that I we were focusing on time. today. I cry every time. I get all teary um, every time. A lot of them are veterans themselves. Mm-hmm. A lot of wow. people don't know that you can serve in the United States military and not be a citizen. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is using service as a pathway to citizenship. And there's some legal hur- hurdles there. And there's some laws that candidly need to be changed uh but we're advocates for that uh and it it's just this is such a centerpiece not just for the surface navy but for everything that the stars and stripes stand for and uh, to have that be here to be able to open that up uh to people who have served in and out of uniform to be that stage is just a, uh, it's an amazing place to be involved with you know i always tell people there are days this is a job 
you know, you got a budget, got HR issues, got stuff to do, mm-hmm. uh, and you get kind of wrapped up in it. And then there are days when you roll into the parking lot and you look at the ship and you think, man, I can't believe I work here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, some, some of our veterans that have come on board, you know, they'll come in to open up their claim. So when you open up your claim, you're kind of opening up, you're opening up your pass. Mm-hmm. But coming on the ship, it kind of sets this different atmosphere for them. And I've, I've seen a lot of the veterans come in one way and leave another. Mm-hmm. Like they just come in and they're, they're kind of, you know, um, guarded. And then by the time they leave, they want to come back. They're having a hot dog at Vicky's. They're mm-hmm. hanging out with some of our peers on, on you know, on the fantail. So that, that alone, the atmosphere is just something that you have to experience yourself. You right. need to come here and just be able to sit here and take it all in. So This should be a home for you know everybody and home for america really in a lot of ways it's apolitical in its purest Mm -hmm. form it's neutral and it doesn't matter what political persuasion you come in right and then some of our new hires you know i i kind of get them ready i said hey you may pull up one day you may have president biden here or you may have (laughs) the the councilman here so just you know be be ready just don't know what what yeah, every day is yeah. different here. So, yeah, still waiting cool for thing. that dull day on Battleship Iowa. Let me know when that happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Jesse, what's your background? What brought you here? What brought me here? Um, besides a car. Besides a car. So, um, let me. I joined the, the service uh, at seventeen. So yeah. at 17, I'm familiar was, with that. Yes, seventeen. I raised my hand. I, I brought a recruiter home. I still remember my recruiter. Staff Sergeant Pumphrey, so he came into my house, and my dad looked at him. Go ahead, take him. Jeez, uh, <laughs> good riddance. Go ahead and yeah. sign off. And you know, my family, we we have a strong um, uh, military background. I mean, I have uncles that served from WW2 to like the most current campaign. So Korea, uh, then there was the peacetime, and so I, I joined in '81. Uh, is when I raised my hand. 82 is when I left. And then I did my active duty. I was stateside. And then um, I had some orders to go to Korea. And um, I didn't have enough time in service. So they said, you either re-up or stay stateside. So I stood stateside. And I thought I had a plan. It didn't work. <laughs> my plan didn't work. So... Um, active duty reserve time and then the uh irr it was a total of 10 years um that i gave and it was right pre-desert storm desert storm mm-hmm. kicked off and i remember receiving some more orders and pretty much a bonus on the table do you want to raise your hand again do you want to go and and at the time i had two kids already and i oh, this, i can't do it so fast forward i you know different jobs I went through. Um, I did, you know, my transition, we didn't have VPAM back then. Right. So pretty much I had my last check. Here's a number to the EDD office. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> That's wow. pretty much. Yeah, transition's <clears throat> an important comment here. You might want to visit that too here. Yeah. Um, I kind remember. Of just drop you off in the, yeah. at the bus that stop. That was it. I was, I was literally at a <laughs> bus stop. Greyhound. So oh, I, wow. I, uh, I did Desert Storm. Um, they mm-hmm. did not, they, they weren't so kind as to give me an option. They just gave me orders. <laughs> okay. And so I went over to the Gulf. I was with a, a special boat unit 11 at the time. And um, I literally went from being in a deployed situation 
uh, to laying in bed with my wife in 48 hours. And uh, with there was no transition. There was That's no. Crazy. It was it was like you got on a plane and you flew and then you were home and that was that. And forty eight wow. hours earlier, you were in a completely different country in a different thing, doing different stuff. And um, it it was uh, jarring. Mm-hmm. I think is the word. Uh, and I think working through transition is uh, is a super important thing that we do. It's part mm-hmm. of what VPAN does, mm-hmm. but VPAN really focuses focuses on our transitioned veterans. We do have services for reservists and we're reaching out to the local reserve centers and active duty as well. But um, on the other side of the house is we bring on uh, new programs into Veterans West. Veterans West, by the way, is the brand uh, for our veteran services. Same organization, but um, National Museum of the Surface Navy does not scream veterans services. So we have another brand called Veterans West at Battleship Iowa. Um, It is absolutely the same organization. It's not separate. It doesn't I work really hard to keep us integrated, but those um, those transition services that we're looking for, we're starting with a um, a program called SkillBridge. Mm-hmm. SkillBridge is paid for by DoD, and that takes somebody who is still on active duty in their last three to six months on active duty, and allows them to do a civilian uh, internship. And so we approach that a little differently. Uh, normal, normal, quote unquote, company would um, would say, oh, free labor for six months, and we actually bring them in move them between departments, give them a mentor, try to give them workplace skills, let them figure out what do you want to be when you grow up, right? And what do you really want to do when you get out? Because everybody comes and they say, oh, I know what I'm going to do. And uh, most of us that have gone through transition are like, yeah, it didn't work out real well. And so um, to give people the experience that they have and then connect them with one of our partners, be they a donor or a supplier or somebody that we have a partnership with, uh, so that they can transition into the civilian workplace. So we've had uh, a couple success stories. We have a couple new uh, SkillBridge people that are coming on this month. Cool. Uh, one, I think, in your department, Mike. And yeah, one in yeah mine. coming in with, with Moser, Chief um, Moser. And then the, um, we're also seeking funding, and I don't know how far down the road uh, Jonathan and Kyle are on this. I might let you speak to that. But to fund, um, <laughs> congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we but, have all the money. <laughs> but to fund... Um, sort of a, uh, the same kind of program, but for people that have already transitioned. SkillBridge, these guys are still being paid by their service, by the Army, Navy, or you know, by DOD. Uh, once you transition, it is very much like, uh, you know, here's your hat, what's your hurry, see mm-hmm. you later. And it is, uh, it's a little bit alarming because your whole world changes overnight mm-hmm. and we wanna provide people that same kind of workplace mm-hmm. skill, internship, mentorship so that they can transition into uh, a civilian capacity, mm-hmm. understanding that they still have a support structure. And it's another thing that we provide here uh, aboard Iowa. Just because you've gone through SkillBridge or, or another transitioning program does not mean you are not welcome here. You, you, your mentor is still here, you can come mm-hmm. back here. Uh, and we're proud to, to have those people still be volunteers and part of our crew. Yeah, if yeah. you wanna go back and listen, we did a podcast with our first SkillBridge intern, Kristen, it was completely wonderful and so look back through our archived not archived but our past episodes and we've got a really good one with her yeah Yeah, one of the things i was struck by was you know for somebody who's been in the military for perhaps 20 years you literally walk out of one culture into a world that's much different um yeah it's just it's a even just how you you work you know um, how you interact with people and different some of the different basic rules of society almost it's kind of odd mm-hmm. um, you know just it was a powerful thing to watch Kristen transition it was really cool it it 
It is odd. Now, I had uh, the last half of my career I did in the reserve. And so you can say that I spent 10 years transitioning. Mm -hmm. Uh, And honestly, I talked to Kristen about this as well, and she didn't have to make that decision for another month or two, I think. But um, I really recommend the reserve as not just a stay involved, but, um, but as a transition mechanism, because you are still connected to the culture that you know, you're still Mm -hmm. wearing the uniform, but you're in the civilian world and you have this ability to kind of ease into the position. Very, very different than simply having your EAOS, here's your DD-214, your discharge paperwork, have a nice day. Um, And, you know, I'm not here to bang the drum and I'm certainly not getting Mm -hmm. anything from the recruiting offices, but uh, I know for me personally, uh, that time in the reserve obviated a lot of the transition issues that I see us dealing with, with our veterans that are coming in to talk to us. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. we're coming up against the clock here. So All right. any, any last uh, things you want to share? Well, I mean, transition, I think it's important because I, I think a couple of things that just happened to me and I see it go on is there's the immediate, the immediate, the immediate is I'm out of the military. Mm-hmm. And then the transition just takes time, like kind of d- to David's point, you know, it took me a few years. Um, and the way the the whole piece came together, I, I kind of went my way VA, you know, the veteran world went the other way when I w- left. I had a decent experience, nothing, you know, I, I, no regrets. Um, but um, I had my son when I shared it with David, when he deployed, then it became personal. Um, I just interact with people I interact with veteran world again it came back into my life again so and then I, I met uh, David through some other folks and and here I am you know and I'm I'm grateful to you know be able to come on a ship come to work and be in this world again and, and kind of keep up with the trends that are happening right now in the, in the veteran world cool yeah. all right well thank you so much for joining yeah, thank us you. Oh, thank thanks you. for shining the light on the vpan program and veterans west at battleship iowa again that is our active veterans program not what you would normally consider a museum doing but we're very active in the community uh there are always opportunities shameless plug to come out and volunteer get involved yes. um uh, whether it's in the veterans uh pillar the veterans or um programs or whether you want to just come out and hang out on the ship as jesse said it is a pretty pretty cool environment uh, also, if you want to send us feedback on the podcast, please send us that email to podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at L-A-Battleship.com, podcast at LaBattleship.com. Uh, and we look forward to hearing your feedback. Join us next time on another exciting episode of Scuttlebutt, the official podcast of the National Museum of the Surface Navy. Mm-hmm.